Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Support for Criminal comes from Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We interrupt this evening music program to bring you an urgent news wire. That's what it started like. On February 12, 1949, a few minutes after 9 p.m., the music programming on one of the most popular radio stations in Quito, Ecuador, was interrupted. People in Quito suddenly heard that a huge ball of smoke and fire had descended on the city of Latacunga, which is located almost two hours south of Quito. This is Lizette Arevalo. She's a journalist and producer at the Spanish-language podcast Radio Ambulante, and she lives in Quito. She grew up hearing the story of this announcement from her grandfather, how the announcer went on to report that strange objects in the sky that look like large disks with bright lights were using a powerful ray to destroy the city and that they were heading right for Quito. What was actually happening is that uh, a radio drama, or as we call it, a radionovela, was being played from an adaptation of H.G. Wells' book, War of the Worlds. Eleven years before, Orson Welles had adapted H.G. Wells' book, The War of the Worlds, into a radio drama that sounded like a news broadcast. What the people in Quito were hearing that night was based on that 1938 radio drama. In the Orson Welles version, there are reports about unusual explosions on Mars, then a report about a strange object falling on a farm in New Jersey. Then things start to escalate when a correspondent describes something starting to come out of that object. He said it looked as large as a bear and glistened like wet leather, and that it had what looked like tentacles and a V-shaped mouth. Soon after that, the announcer read a message that at least 40 people in the area were killed, and later made an announcement that, quote, "...incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army from the planet Mars. After that, reports continued to come in about Martians invading New Jersey and New York, and possibly the rest of the country. 
The next day, newspapers reported that people who had heard the broadcast had panicked. The New York Times reported that one man called their switchboard to ask, what time will it be the end of the world? Police in New Jersey said a woman called to ask if she should close her windows. Doctors and nurses called the police to volunteer to help people who were injured during the attack. The paper quoted someone as saying, The world is coming to an end, and I have a lot to do. One woman reportedly ran into a church and told everyone inside the world was ending. She said, You might as well go home to die. I just heard it on the radio. Today, some media historians have pointed out that the War of the Worlds broadcast couldn't have possibly produced as much panic as newspapers reported, because there weren't enough people listening. They've also argued that newspapers exaggerated the panicked responses because newspapers were competing with radio news and had an incentive to, quote, discredit radio as a source of news. The newspaper industry's trade journal ran a piece saying, quote, The nation as a whole continues to face the danger of incomplete, misunderstood news over a medium which has yet to prove that it is competent to perform the news job. But to believe that the invasion was real, you'd have to miss the announcer at the beginning of the program saying that it was a version of the book by H.G. Wells, and that it was presented by the Mercury Theatre in New York. And you'd also have to miss Orson Welles' assurance at the end of the program that it had all been a Halloween spoof and none of it was real. But the version of the War of the Worlds that played in Quito didn't include any indications that what people were hearing wasn't really happening. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. People call Quito the city in the middle of the world because it's almost directly on the equator. It's surrounded by mountains. And in 1949, many neighborhoods didn't have running water or electricity. According to some of the people Lisette Aravalo spoke to, who remember that time when there were no cell phones or TV, the gathering place for everyone was around the radio. It was the main meeting point, so families gather around it in their living rooms or their kitchens to listen to musical groups or radio dramas. But also, since not everyone had a radio in their homes because they were very expensive, it was customary for many to take their radios or speaker out to the street and listen to the programs as a group with their neighbors or people that were just like walking by. So it was a way the community kind of gathered together. Yeah, totally. It was their main meeting point. And the most popular programs were radio dramas. Each radio station had a team of actors, directors, and writers who would put the radio dramas together. Lisette spoke to someone who was a radio announcer at the time who said that they even had sound effects designers who used special devices to create the sound of horses' hooves or paper to create the sound of rain. Radio Quito was one of the most popular radio stations in the city. 
The artistic director, Leonardo Paez, was a playwright, actor, songwriter, and journalist, and has been called the king of radio theater. And when he heard about Orson Welles' broadcast of War of the Worlds in New York, he decided to adapt the script for his radio station. Like, into the same scenario, but in Quito. So he changed some little details to make it more believable in in our city. And even though some people knew what happened in New York City, not everyone did, because let's remember that it was 1949 and we didn't have social media and people couldn't know what was happening around the world as immediate as we know now. In the days leading up to the show, mysterious ads appeared in local newspapers saying things like, what will happen on February 12th? And there were stories about sightings of flying saucers near Quito. Radio Quito also promoted a performance of one of the most popular musical acts at the time, the duo Benitez y Valencia. The duo usually performed on weekdays, but this performance would happen on February 12th, a Saturday night. It would be a special event. That night, people in Quito gathered around their radios with neighbors and friends to hear the show. So to know what happened, I spoke with my grandpa, who was 17 years old at the time. He was listening to Benitez y Valencia, what my grandpa likes to call the best duo in Ecuador's history, um, when suddenly the radio host said, we interrupt this evening music program to bring you an urgent newswire. And they announced the arrivals of a spaceship and a Martian invasion. So I spoke to many people who were very young at, at that moment. Uh, one of them was Aurora Pazmiño. She was 11 at the time. And she told me that she remembered going into complete shock and not knowing what to do. Then her parents went into her room and told her and her siblings to get up and start praying, asking God for help. And they did. Then I also spoke with my great aunt, Mercedes Gross, and she says that she remembers people saying, they're coming, they're coming, it's a gigantic fleet of extraterrestrials. <laughs> Yo me acuerdo clarito que decían, ya vienen, es una flota inmensa. Um, I also spoke to Jose Lazo, he was 10 years old, and he was listening to the music with his family in his grandparents' living room, and he remembers that his mom was f- frantic, looking for a place where they could protect themselves from the invasion. So his mom took him and his siblings to a basement in the house and wanted them to go down there to protect themselves. They were completely convinced that the War of the Worlds was happening in Quito, in this small city in the middle of the world. How was Quito's version of War of the Worlds different from the original 1938 broadcast? It was adapted to Quito's reality, so it mentioned certain Ecuadorian cities and places like the Mariscal Sucre Air Base, um, but it also included credible details like actors 
who played the part of the defense minister or Quito's mayor, for example. And the mayor is like this huge political figure, of course. And when the actor appeared in the radio drama, he asked the Quiteños, like the people in Quito, eh, to please stay calm because they would defend the city and asked women and children to go to the city's outskirts and leave the men <laughs> in the city, like go to the outskirts so men can prepare for combat against the Martians. And also, Radio Quito prepared beforehand and contacted some other radios in Quito and their hosts and journalists to be part of the radio drama. So they would pretend to make exchanges, like news exchanges from Radio Quito to Radio Gran Colombia, for example. And they would exchange different information about the invasion between the two radios. So that made it even more believable for people. So it was adapted to how radio worked in Quito at that time. So there was more reason to believe that this was actually happening than there was to think that this was some sort of hoax. Definitely. Because radio dramas in that era, like in that moment of history, they were very believable. And people got scared and sad and felt all of these things through radio and through sound. So when they started listening to all of these invasions, mentioning all of these places that they knew, and listening to these supposed actors, because they don't listen to the mayor all the time, you know? It's not like right now that we can look at videos of mayors and presidents all the time, but they were not used to that. They started believing that it was true. At one point, a recording of Quito's church bells was played to mimic a kind of emergency alert. Well, what else did they hear on the broadcast? They heard that Martians were there, that, that there had been smoke and an explosion. What else were they hearing? So after the host announced that Martians had arrived, they said that the military base was taken by the Martians. So that made people panic even more. And as they continued the narration of the radio drama, they escalated things a lot. So Leonardo Paez, in one point, he starts playing this part as a reporter who is right in the scene where the Martians have just arrived. And he starts saying that he was seeing the Martians and how they were moving from left to right in a sort of like classic dance, sort of like movement. And there were green lights around them. And he also described like a metallic structure that it looked like a light post and that a gigantic arm came out of it shooting a yellow liquid that made houses disappear. And after that, he said in a very alarming voice that Martians were heading to Quito and that people should run for their lives. And then like his transmission stops as if it would have been interrupted by Martians and the radio host said that Leonardo had been disintegrated by the Martians right on spot. So that was the moment that people panicked even more. Maria Luisa, for example, she was very young when this happened, but she remembers that people started taking out, like, mattresses from their homes, luggage, baskets, and anything they could carry. Colchones, maletas, canastas y todo lo que podía la gente. Todo el mundo llorando desesperada la gente. 
to escape the city, you know, to escape the invasion. Um, other people were knocking on the doors of the church. Por el terror, mucha gente iba a golpear las iglesias, a, a tratar de confesarse sus pecados. And out of terror, they were trying to confess their sins before, you know, they die. <laughs> Uh, men were coming down from the streets, men who were liberal and said that they didn't believe in God, were suddenly kneeling on the streets and asking God for forgiveness. Y se encaban. Dios mío, Diosito lindo, perdóname todo lo que he hecho. Y lo que se oía era las ambulancias, ambulancias. Ambulances also were, were seen on the streets. It was even said that the Ecuadorian combat forces mobilized to Latacunga, where it was supposed to, that the Martians arrived. People were just like afraid and running and just, I don't know, just, uh, it was the end of the world, you know. Leonardo Paez later wrote that there were car accidents, that pregnant women went into labor. That there were people wanting to jump out of their windows so they would die before the Martians came. People confessing that they've cheated to their partners. Um, people burning money or giving it away to strangers in the street. People gathering around to just like drink whiskey and wait for the Martians to come. A lot of people left their houses in a hurry and were walking around in their pajamas. There was one story that there were so many people asking for confession that a priest just told them to confess their sins together at the same time so that he could absolve them all at once. And while some couples were confessing to cheating, others were rushing to churches to try to get married. Since it was the end of the world, they wanted to get married at that moment. That is what it said, because it was at night. So I know there was, like, uh, someone to get them married at the time, you know? But they were trying. They were trying. Everyone was waiting, and everyone was living those moments like it was their last few minutes on Earth. We'll be right back. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Support for Criminal comes from Factor. After a long day at work, sometimes the most convenient dinner option is ordering takeout. But if you make a habit of it, it can get pricey. Factor offers restaurant-quality, ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your doorstep. Factor's meals are both nutritious and tasty, and you can choose from more than 35 different options weekly. They have a variety of meal types to fit your needs, too, like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, with plenty of delicious add-ons also. I've tried Factor meals myself. Lately, I've enjoyed their shredded chicken taco bowl and Thai roasted vegetable green curry. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. You can also pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash Phoebe50 and use code Phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code Phoebe50 
at factormeals.com slash phoebe50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Did the people at the radio station get reports of what was going on out in the streets? They didn't. Uh, they couldn't have because they were inside the radio station. And the recording studio is very alienated from the station and even more from the city. So they didn't know what was going on. And they didn't have a cell phone, so people wouldn't like WhatsApp them and tell them, hey, people are getting crazy, like stop this or something. I mean, I'm just confused. You know, why with with such good acting and in such a believable script, why did they think people wouldn't believe that this was real? I think that it was because, first of all, the New York City representation of the War of the Worlds was known by the radio people. So maybe they thought that everyone knew about it. That's like one hypothesis. And the other one is that Radio dramas were always broadcast at that time of night. And I don't know, they they probably thought that it was just that people won't believe it because it's so absurd to think that Martians are coming to Quito from all the places in the world, you know? If you watch movies, <laughs> Martians always go to Washington, D.C., not to Quito, to this small city. What did the people in the studio do when they learned what was actually happening outside? They immediately announced that it was just a radio drama and that no Martian invasion was happening and asked the people to remain calm. But they did not remain calm at all. (laughs) People got very, very angry. So many people got out from their houses and some brought torches, some brought sticks, stones, whatever they could find. And a mob of people started marching to the building the radio station operated out. What my grandpa told me and the other people I spoke to told me is that they were in different points of the city and then then they suddenly start seeing like these rivers of people. (laughs) We We say it like that, like rios de gente, rivers of people walking down the streets and up the streets. Um, So people... For example, my grandpa was in his house and then he started seeing a lot of people just like walking by, going directly to the radio station. And when they arrived, they broke in the building. They went into the lobby and the lower floor and started just smashing everything and burning everything down. The radio station was in the same building as the biggest newspaper in Quito at the time, El Comercio. Its printing machines were completely destroyed. People were throwing rocks and shouting, down with the radio. And more people joined and they brought cans of gasoline. They were so angry that they just wanted to destroy the whole building and the whole radio station that made them believe that they were going to die. You know, they were angry because they were fooled by the radio. And they did crazy things like confessing to their partners that they were unfaithful (laughs) or getting married or giving money out or burning their own money. But also, Ecuador had just come out of a war with Peru seven years ago. Um, World War II had just happened. And only four years earlier, the atomic bomb had been dropped. So 
when they heard that the invading Martians were coming to kill them, it was as if all those wars and attacks had finally reached Quito. People were on, on the edge all the time because of all of these wars. And then suddenly they are telling them that all of these wars or a version of these wars are, arrived in their city. You spoke to someone who was inside the building. What did he say about the moment they realized the building was on fire? Yes, so I spoke to Guillermo Villalba. When I spoke to him, he was 98 years old, but he remembered a little bit of what happened because it was so traumatic for him. Uh, he was the host of Radio Comercial, and he was invited to participate in the broadcast with these exchanges that I mentioned before. And he remembers that at one point, he saw how the smoke was rising from the base of the building up to the second floor where the radio Quito was, where the radio station was. And he said that he started to feel a lot of anguish and despair and and he started to smell the smoke and everyone just wanted to get out of there. They, they were completely desperate. Sentíamos nosotros agusta desesperación el momento que comenzamos a oler humo y ahí cada cual por su lado trataban de salir. The people who'd created the radio play needed to leave the building, but it didn't feel safe to just walk out the door. They couldn't just like walk down the stairs and get out, but also if these group of people were able to burn a whole building. They were completely scared of what could have happened to them if they would have gone out directly to them. So what did the what did the people in the station do? So the host went back on the microphone and asked people for help. Lisette spoke with Jose Lasso, who was 10 years old at the time, about hearing the hosts asking for help on the air. Desesperados, pedían ayuda y socorro. Y la gente creía que todo era parte del drama, parte del juego, parte de la comedia y de la representación de la guerra de los mundos. He remembers that they were desperately asking for help through the, through the radio station. And they wanted the firefighters and the police to rescue them. But people didn't believe him. <laughs> they thought it, that it was all part of the show of the War of the Worlds and part of the game they were playing through the radio drama. There were some reports that the police couldn't get there quickly because they'd gone to where the aliens supposedly were. But there were other reports that the police didn't come because they believed the radio host's requests for help were all part of the show. Entonces era esa terrible ambigüedad entre la realidad y la ficción. So what he told me is that there was a point that there was a terrible ambiguity between fact and fiction. We'll be right back. Thanks to Progressive for their support. While you're listening to the show, maybe you're also doing something else. Driving, dishes, folding laundry. I listen when I go on walks. If you're not currently driving a car, you could also be getting an auto quote from Progressive Insurance. 
Save money right now from your phone. Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Discounts for having multiple vehicles on your policy, being a homeowner, and more. Progressive will be with you 24-7, 365 days a year, so you're protected no matter what. You can get a quote for your car insurance at Progressive.com to join over the 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Because Radio Quito was in the center of the city, Lisette Arivalo says that when the smoke from the fire started to rise, everyone could see it. And even though many people didn't know if it was, this is kind of like funny in sort of a way, because some people who didn't know that it was not true thought that that was part of the real Martian invasion, like all of these smoke and fire. And some other people knew what was happening and that other people were burning the building. But the firefighters acted immediately when they saw a lot of smoke. And what happened when the firefighters did finally arrive? According to one of my sources, Fabian Melo, he told me that the mob didn't allow the firefighters to act and put the fire out. They even threatened the firefighters that if they put the fire out, then they would burn them instead of like the radio hosts and everything. They were, like, really, really angry. So the firefighters just left, and at the, at one point the crowd said that they were going to allow some people from the building to escape, but they said that they wanted Leonardo Paez, who was the artistic director and creator of the radio script, to come out and, like, <laughs> pay for what he did. Um, but Leonardo Paez and... Other people from the radio station escaped through the roofs of the adjoining houses. So, for example, Leonardo Paez started, like, walking through the roofs to escape and to get as far as he could from that place because he knew that they wanted him. And others just, like, jumped to a school's roof next door and escaped through the school or through other buildings close by. The New York Times reported, As the flames cut off escape, Occupants formed a human chain from balconies and windows. Some were dashed to the ground when the chain broke. 
others leaped. Ecuador's Ministry of Defense sent in troops to help control the situation and break up the crowd that was obstructing the firefighters. They had even knocked over fire hydrants so they couldn't be used. Four officers were reportedly beaten so badly that they went to the hospital with concussions. Tear gas and tanks were used to clear the area. Eventually, the firefighters were able to get close to the building and put out the fire. It's estimated that around 20 people died that night. Many of the people who were inside the radio station died. Um, there were two musicians, and also Leonardo Spies's girlfriend and her nephew died in the, in the fire. But many say that people also died from the desperation outside when they thought that the Martians were coming. The Radio Quito building was completely destroyed. Everything inside was burned, including the War of the World script and the recording of the broadcast. When they were questioned, the heads of the radio station denied knowing anything about the content of the show that Leonardo Pias and his colleagues had planned. They claimed it had been put on the air without their knowledge. Officials in Ecuador announced the creation of a new government office to review all radio scripts before they aired. The newspaper that shared the building with the radio station, the oldest newspaper in Quito, lost all of its printing presses and its entire archive in the fire. Other newspapers in Quito and in the area offered to share their equipment to help the paper keep going. In the days after, police arrested some of the people who had set the fire, and also some of the people who worked at the radio station. But who they really wanted was Leonardo Paez, but he was hiding in a house in Quito's outskirts, and no one knew where he was, until one day, his lawyer recommended him that he should appear directly in front of a judge at the Palace of Justice, and Paez agreed. He was accused of arson and of provoking what it was called a collective reaction that caused the destruction of the building where Radio Quito operated and also El Comercio, which is the newspaper that also operated there. But Paez and his lawyer proved that the directors of Radio Quito were aware of what they were going to do and that they signed a contract for this. So Paez argued that he was only following orders from his superiors and he was acquitted of all charges and was released. Leonardo Paez later said that whenever he would walk down the streets of Quito, people would go up to him and talk to him about what happened that night. He actually had a lot of mixed reactions. On the one hand, there were people who invited him to have a drink and tell him how they experienced that transmission of the War of the Worlds. Others approached him and congratulated him for his great work with the radio soap opera. Some told him that they had laughed a lot, but others told him that thanks to the Martians, they were separated from their unfaithful partners, because let's remember, they confessed all of their all of their unfaithfulness to their partners. But there were others who participated in the fire who told him that they were really sorry and that they couldn't forgive themselves because they knew that people died inside the radio station. 
Leonardo Paez had trouble finding work after the hoax. Newspapers and radio stations were afraid their audience wouldn't trust him as a journalist anymore. When he did get work, publications asked him to use a fake name for his byline. He eventually decided to move to Venezuela, where he lived for the rest of his life. He wrote a novel about his War of the Worlds broadcast, a fictionalized story about what happened that night in Quito. And in it, he tried to recreate the script that had been lost in the fire. Radio Quito, which reopened a couple of years after the fire and is still operating today, used Leonardo Paez's recreated script to make a version of what people might have heard that night in 1949. Here's what it sounds like. My grandpa always told me about what happened that night. We used to go on walks or drive around the area where the Radio Quito was, and he always told me about this story and told me where the radio station used to be. The radio station was next to my grandma's school, which was the school where people escaped from the radio station. And I sort of thought that he was exaggerating, but as I grew up, I understood all of the context that led people to do this. I'm not saying that it was right, but to understand what had happened that night. Um... So yeah, the Martian invasion in Quito was part of of me while I was growing up and of my history as a as a quiteña. Thanks to Lizette Arvalo for sharing her tape and her reporting. In 2020, she reported this story for the Spanish-language podcast Radio Ambulante. It's called The Extraterrestrials. We'll have a link in our show notes. You can also find it at radioambulante.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Criminal is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Libby Foster, and Samantha Brown. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of Criminal. You can see them at thisiscriminal.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Criminal Show and Instagram at Criminal underscore podcast. We're on TikTok at Criminal underscore podcast, where we're posting behind-the-scenes content. Criminal is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Thanks to Progressive for their support. 
Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.